Welcome, motherfuckers, Hellenists, heretics, and hierophants. What's going on, <laughs> motherfuckers? Hey, there we go. I hey. expected that. That's a great way to have our guest, Mr. Raymond, my friend Was from good. Weebs in the Hood, on today's episode. Weebs <laughs> in the house. You see, you see how natural that was, Ed. Look, this, this is this is a man of of great stature and a real good taste for entertainment. Yes, That's and what I'm I sure say. his yep. dick tastes like strawberries. But like, come on. Besides <laughs> race dick, that, but yeah. we <laughs> also have Ed here, and of course Josh. Nobody's <laughs> strawberry tasting dick and of involved. Trent. And and Trent, you know me. Whose dick tastes like guavas for some reason? Never understood it. Um, um, I've been told I taste like Spider Man. Whatever that tastes like, I don't fucking know. I'm thinking about you know the ice cream trucks with like the little yep. the ice creams that look like Spider Man. Yes. SpongeBob. And yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> what an interesting way to compare my dick. Anyway. Hey, look, you know what it ice is. ice cream with the gumdrop eyeballs. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite was always my the My nuts is the gumdrops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to a very different episode of <laughs> Nightcrawlers. Honestly. Yes. As everyone could tell if you've been listening for any amount of time whatsoever, we currently have a guest on that's normally not with us. This is Ray from Weebs in the Hood. He does the other podcast that Josh works on, which you hear me plug at the end of every episode. Uh, Weebs in the Hood, if you'd like to say anything about your podcast, just to plug it real quick. So Weebs in the Hood is basically what you get when you get four idiots who can't <laughs> shut up about anime, nerd culture, your typical DC high comics, school anime MCU. Club. Yeah, basically that. And we all decided... Hey, what would what would be fun if we just throw some, throw it on a podcast and see see what people say, and here we are. <laughs> what is, it's what four months? Has it been that long? It's four or five months later. We start our first episode was in November of last you, year. You know that's Jesus wild. Christ. Thinking about like. I should have seen this coming back in high school wow. where you guys would play magic in the fucking lunchroom. Like, no. yeah, y'all going to start a podcast, oh, you even though that wasn't even a cool thing at the time. You should have seen everyday shenanigans at Anime Club. Yeah. Too bad Vel couldn't stick around Dog. because if we had Vel on the podcast we, regularly, we almost got that him. would be buffoonery and tomfoolery at all angles. We, go, I wish, we still going to get him. I wish we were in the same anime club because I like senior year, I was president of my anime club in my school. Mm-hmm. And it was just everyone, like, there were maybe, like, three people by that point that I really liked. But it was, like, my fourth year I had to, like, like, I was offered being president by that point. But, like, God, I could imagine how it would have been going to club with you guys. See, like, the, dog, we ran that the funny thing is, is our clique, like, Ray, Tone, uh, our dude Jordan, our dude Arvell, me, like, we were the people that kept that club, like, we kept running. It running yeah. We kept it popping because when we all left and graduated, a lot of the younger people that were in the club, they're like, it's not the same with all y'all. Like, it's oh, not yeah. as fun. It's kind of boring. Oh, Bro, we were hosting I events. Too, I was the last thing holding it together because yeah. I was the only person in charge putting effort in. Yeah, we were ho- we were hosting events, putting up money for so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a we had a few anime cosplay contests going on. I went as, I went in sweatpants, man. We were we That's were we were always the ones that like we always came up with the 
anime suggestions and everything like that for people to watch. We got a lot of people hip to shit that they didn't know about. Like Hell yeah. <laughs> Not to get too far off base, but what is our topic of today, peoples? Yeah, Ooh. today's topic is historic events shrouded in mystery. It's a very open-ended topic, but one that uh, we had discussed ahead of time with Ray, and we all agreed would be an interesting thing to touch on. So I'd love to see the different angles that everyone's come from. I'd love to see the kind of angle Ray comes from, since, you know, he's... He ain't done this with us before, so... In fact, being our first guest, I, it's just interesting to see a different perspective off of our normal bullfuckery, you know? Mm-hmm. That part. Mm-hmm. That, that fucking part. And I got something for y'all today. Ooh, All right. All right, and this you... was actually Ray's idea if we want to throw every this out there for everybody. This is not our typical, you know, uh, your Nightcrawler's brainstorm. Ray actually decided... That he wanted to partake in this, so I thought that was really cool of you, Ray. Anytime, bro. You already <laughs> know how it is. Hell yeah. All right, so I guess Ray can start that. I mean, since you know, it was his idea and all. You Fuck haven't even yeah. announced what the topic is. I yeah, he did. I just did. did. You did, dude. Yeah. Oh, damn. Are you oh, okay? Historical Ray? events shrouded in mystery. <laughs> that <right>? alcohol <laughs> hit, huh, bro? And you tried to cut me off. It's Man. that dog for real. It's that Disarano. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, shit. Let me take a sip real quick. <laughs> I'd rather have Disarona than disappointment, which is what you're not about to get off of this podcast. You hey. know you're right. <clears throat> no, nah, but all right. So, my first one is basically real simple. I'm going to tell y'all a story real quick. What if? I feel like granddad settling me down <laughs> by the fire. Hey, hey, if you like that, fucking Weebs in the Hood is like this at all times. Yeah. Let me tell y'all a story real quick. <laughs> okay. What if I were to tell y'all that roughly. 13 to 15,000 years ago, there was a world-spanning civilization. Maybe not up to par technically with us, but definitely had at least medieval or Renaissance-era seafaring abilities and were connected to all the continents. Hmm. I would ask more questions. What's up? Yes, go on. You got my curiosity. All right, so uh, first of all, let's start off with what prompts this idea? What prompts this idea is the connections that humanity, not that the continents have, because we all know the continents were connected at one point in time. Shout out Pangea. Yep, sound out Pangea. Hey, this bitch don't know about Pangea? <laughs> this one goes out to my dude, Pangea. He ain't been around in a bit, but we was tight. He, everyone linked together. You hey, know? hey, word on uh, the street is he's coming back. But do y'all fuck? Oh, shit. But But do y'all fuck with the war? Yes. Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> she like, huh? What? <laughs> but essentially, what happened is um, people are finding links between nations and civilizations that shouldn't exist but do exist. So the proposal is that considering the fact that these are not connections that could have made been made after the division of continents, that they happened beforehand, but for them to have happened beforehand, it would have had a wider spanning civilization. Basic, basically, it happened after the continents split up, but before, yes, but after the continents split up, that's why it's only like 10, 15,000 so years ago. That's where the seafaring idea comes Yes. In. But after, uh, but before we all, before we know of like the Sumerians and a lot of the other ancient civilizations. So before civilizations. we had the ability yeah. to make these connections. Yeah. 
And essentially what happened is about 10, 15,000 years ago, there were, we were in the middle of an ice age. What people get confused about the ice age is, yeah, there was a sheet of ice from the North Pole going to right around, about right around where we're at now in Ohio, right about there. And then from the South Pole to about roughly around Brazil. Oh no! You leaked our location. Fuck. Ah. Now we've done that like eight, <laughs> eight hundred times. I was about to say we definitely yeah. even leaked the city a couple times. Yeah, like, yeah. It'll be fine. What's a DDoS attack or a mob? Y'all be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't swap me. That's all I ask, bro. Oh, yeah. for real? At this point, like, in I don't advantage. think anyone's gonna be able to find your exact location. So I don't have to worry about that much. Yeah. Hey, IP address backwards. Niggas be smart with the hacking. I know. I used to just, do it. Now if you just told them how to do it. Well, listen, the only way they're going to be, the only IP address they're probably going to be getting is, well, I mean, I could start uploading it with my VPN on. Yeah, they, won't, they, they won't know shit then, but. And you want to fuck with the onion? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we don't need an onion router. We're not that deep. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, basically... Uh, I'm just going to throw off a few of the connections. All right. Some of the uh, the biggest and most major one is the ley line theory. Mm. And the ley line theory is essentially all of these major me um, me mega megalithical. I'm very bad megalithical. At yeah, megalith. <laughs> giant monuments made out of stone. <laughs> Fuck yeah, <laughs> See, I, dude. Also, I <laughs> brought up the ley lines mm -hmm. on here before. Yeah. I've talked about ley lines before. And That's it, a fact. And it is weird that almost all of them are connected to ley line or connected on exact longitudes and latitudes of this world. Hmm. Wow. Almost all of them are. And it's crazy. Then you have um, the pyramid theory, which is, yes. Which one? The one at that every all five major continents that have hosted civilizations no matter how technically advanced they were, have built pyramids. Mm. Okay. And that doesn't seem feasible that all of these nations that have been separated for thousands of years by massive oceans would all be building pyramids. And mind you, Egypt is the only one that didn't build step pyramids, but they started. Their first pyramids were step pyramids. Mm -hmm. I would like to propose a bit of cynicism on that point. Uh, being that they all built a lot of things. It's just pyramids being made of triangles definitely are mm -hmm. the strongest structures. So it could be less the fact that all of them made pyramids and more all of them made enough shit that the pyramids were the only things left. And now we draw focus to that because they're in such good shape. There's actually a lot of megaliths that aren't pyramids, but pyramids are the ones that are the massive ones. And you can build massive ones out of almost any of the shapes except for maybe a spear or a sphere. Mm -hmm. Cretan, so you can move on. Yeah. 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 I'm not about to hold you up. For, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. The whole podcast. It's just, it's just insane. And they were all used as either observation posts or burial tombs. Mm -hmm. And it seems just a bit weird that they were all used for essentially the same thing. Even the pyramids of, God, of Giza, which... Though they're tombs, they are very easily used as observation posts because they're lined up with the um, with the belt of Orion so well. Mm -hmm. I actually seen a real life pyramid when I was in Mexico, and those shits are really unbelievable. Yeah, 
there's an exact replica of the Pisa, or not exact replica, but it's a replica of our solar system in Mexico. It's line, everything is spaced out, uh, mathematically shrunken down to the exact like science of our peer, of our solar system, including Neptune, which shouldn't have known about. Like, granted, they shouldn't have known about any of these except for Jupiter, but they knew about all of them. Oh, yeah, everyone knows about Jupiter. It's fucking big as fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have those, which all the crazy astronomical coincidences. And then you have, well, what happened to this? Th- what happened to this civilization? If it was so big and world spanning, it had something had to have happened. Yeah. That's when we get to the younger, youngest dryer impact which is essentially a comet struck Greenland or we think either Greenland or we think somewhere around Mexico and essentially eviscerated and melted a huge chunk of the ice caps, which flooded, which flooded the oceans. After all of that happened, we kind of got a runaway greenhouse effect going that helped retract all the other, all the other um, ice caps or all the other ice caps. Essentially, the increase in carbon dioxide ended yeah. up mm-hmm. causing an increase in heat, which then mm-hmm. the ocean released more carbon dioxide and the usual basic cycle yeah. of, of warming, but like accelerated due to the And event. what helped curb this runaway greenhouse effect, a lot of people will say, is because with the ice caps receding, releasing more water into the oceans and just into the Earth's ecosystem it curbed a lot of the runaway. It was able to cut into and curb the runaway um, greenhouse effect, which shut it down. Hmm. People refer to this as um, basically just, if you look at the ice core caps, there's a giant drop when so it's the for the ice age like, start, and then it's a giant um, increase, and then it's a steady increase after so that. It's the thought that like the ice caps, since they are, well, giant blocks of ice, basically helped absorb the excess heat or um what they helped do was so the runaway greenhouse effect is essentially carbon too much carbon getting into the atmosphere blocking out the sun's rays which is uh, which is released a lot most of it will be released through the ocean and through like burning of stuff through burning of trees and stuff if a comet hits us there's going to be a lot of burning going on Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm People are surmising that with all this heat, it melted a lot of the ice caps. Mm-hmm. The ice caps, well, when they get melted, they go, it evaporates into mist, goes into the air, then rains down, putting out a lot of these fires. All right. So it helps mm-hmm. slow down the carbon yeah. emissions. It helps slow it down to where we didn't get a runaway effect, but we almost got it. So basically the access ended up causing weather phenomenon that extinguished the original mm-hmm. flame. Yes. All right. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't. It didn't happen fast enough to save this civilization that was spanning the world. So they just got butt fucked by it. That, that essentially, essentially what happened, and it sent us back to the Stone Age. What um, people refer to this, um, there are three peri- there are three um, structures in Turkey called Gobekli Tepe, and like there's two other ones that end in Tepe. They're essentially giant cities underground mm-hmm. why would you build cities underground unless you're expecting either flooding or in brief on something happening on the 
at the start of the earth, on top of the earth. And you see, the civilization was the reptilians, who now the survivors of are have taken over the government. That's a wild theory. <laughs> like that whole reptilian style. And are you. now spreading propaganda in the form of the lusty Argonian maid so that yes. they can reintegrate with society. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but all in all, there are connections. The one connection I wanted to highlight today is there's a Japanese and Egyptian connection that shouldn't exist because it happened. People figured out that um, the Japanese actually built sarcophaguses that look almost identical to Egyptian sarcophaguses sarcophaguses and mm. they were this was like the 200s to 600 B, um, AD era which uh, Japan wasn't going to Egypt at that point in time mm. so like just the same shape or like similar materials same like everything? same everything everything okay. it was almost as if they went and transported an Egyptian sarcophagus from Egypt to Japan. Okay, because if it was just like the shape, then it's just like, well, it's a shape based on body structure. But considering like if it's all the same, mm -hmm. then I get where you're coming from. Which is funny because that brings up another mystery too. Just mm -hmm. throwing that in there real quick that the Japanese, they have ancient like embalming techniques yep. that to this day we don't understand right, what they the did. <laughs> yep. It's like they don't like we... Do yeah. not understand how they preserved bodies. And we know how the Egyptians preserved their bodies. We have no idea how the Japanese did it. Yep. And they have similar sarcophaguses. On top of the fact that Japan we, also has pyramids. We know that there is a, a liquid that they use, mm -hmm. but we cannot identify what it is. People are speculating it's some sort of resource that was like maybe abundant back in ancient Japan. That like, like a plant that is Yeah, been... that we don't, that just isn't around anymore. Yeah, it was probably. You know, harvested. I can see that happening with so many animals and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. living forms becoming extinct day by day. Mm -hmm. Like, definitely, there's probably so many medicines and stuff that we purposely killed off so that we can make more pills for everybody to get. Mm -hmm. oh, and definitely. people don't even think about that shit. But yeah, Not at it's all. just a little fun fact. Because that was something I kind of looked into when I was looking at mysteries Fun that I wouldn't fact, look up. This is how they handled their dead. Oh, you are not chills, buddy. <laughs> Number 15. Burger King foot lettuce. Number 10. Okay. The, All right. the world who did not exist. I can dream, Josh. <laughs> Damn, you got to fucking... Mm. So who's next? I was going to say, yeah, that's pretty much... There's just a lot of connections going on. People... Kind of tie it into Atlantis, but it, I, I know, really but don't think it was Atlantis. Lesson I take. I think away that's from something that. else entirely. Yeah. The lesson I take away from all of that uh, that nice story you laid down, Grandpa, was uh, <laughs> I would totally fuck a lizard person, and I think that we've all learned today. <laughs> I think you missed the point of the story. I think you missed the point of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can come in. With, I can come in next time with a lizard man story if you want. There you go. I'm like for real. Do it though. Bet. Like, as long as it's not Hillary aside. Clinton. So it starts off with Peter no, Parker fighting Obama. the. It starts off with Peter Parker <laughs> fighting the Sinister Six. <laughs> and then they rip his clothes off, and they're like, and he's like, no. And <laughs> okay, moving on. Who wants to present next? I'll go next, honestly. Okay. All right, Trent. Take it away. All right. So mine's not as mysterious as the topics would like it to be but it's mysterious and the fact that why the fuck 
did this happen once and never uh, happen again? For credence, I'd like to say the topic, though it was very like overreaching and vague, there it, it's kind of difficult to find big stories like how yours was, like very massive, uh, world spanning shit, or even civilization spanning in many cases. Mm-hmm. So like. I, that's actually made me partially excited to see like where exactly we go with this because mm-hmm. since it is still wide spanning, I'm sure we all came up with individual stuff that I, I am excited to figure out what what all we brought to the table. Trent, go ahead. Sorry about that. You're fine, Ed. Do your thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about the Northeast blackouts of 2003. If anybody Ooh, remember that yes. shit, yes. Hmm. yes. Um, I'm sure if you're not um, 19 years old, you remember it. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm attacking every 19 year old that listens. 2003, I was in California and the fires in California were raging and the sky was red. That's all I remember. So, like, uh, that I sounds worse than the blackouts, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> like, like, we that, were just grilling out. We had like a block party for that that was the whole time. Listen, I woke up 2003, fucking. I was watching Nickelodeon. I walked outside. It was like dark red outside. There was a baby like under a parked car for some reason. <laughs> when I went outside and yeah, everything was just red. So, it's because well, this it's was an event. Well, you guys know like California is so dry. They have oh, fires yeah. and shit yeah, like that every yeah. year. But also, but the baby. What, what, uh, <laughs> so many questions. There is. I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it it, it is. I mean, it's a good idea anyway. But it was rumored that illegals. When they would try to sneak, because I live in San Diego, very close to the border to Mexico, a lot of illegals would set fires on the border to distract, like, border patrol agents and shit like that so they could sneak across. And I think that's what they said happened in California that year, was, like, when all that shit was going on with, like, the blackouts and shit like that, illegals were setting fires on the border to sneak across. And, like, the sky was just red for, like, two days. (laughs) You know, that's actually smart. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, first of all, these blackouts was all the way on the other side of the country. Yeah, (laughs) the East Coast. (laughs) I have trouble trusting any time it's blamed on illegals. For real. Yeah, but you have to understand. This is. I mean, we live like fifty miles from the border. It's literally, literally. California is the main jumping line. People think it's Texas, but no, Cali. No, Texas, yeah. Uh, yeah. Texas will send you back. Cali won't. <clears throat> Fair. All right, so I wanted to talk about the Northeast blackouts of 2003. Um, like me and everybody else in this room, we all been affected by it in some type of way. Yeah, again, I, I don't really remember at all, but like we covered at the end of last episode that my knowledge on anything happening ever is completely fucking spotty. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'm sure with enough details and trauma, you'll remember. Educate me. Eh. So, during the dates of August 14th to August 16th in 2003, from two hours to four days even, depending on the location. That tracks with the, with the dates you gave? The northeast region of uh, United States and parts of Canada experienced a blackout. Now, this is not like your typical, the the weather's bad, so we have a power outage, and it will clear up when the wind stops. No, my nigga, this was, nigga, it's sunny outside, why don't I have power? So, the irony of this bullshit, which, 
anything that involves Ohio gives me a hard on. So it's also why I have to cover the story. But the irony of this bullshit. Same. I'm hard right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love how I'm just looking over at Ray, (laughs) our guest. And he's just just like, whoop. (laughs) Whoop. Just what the fuck face. Eye contact. <laughs> Intense oh, eye contact. I felt it too. I was like, let me not let me not make eye contact. <laughs> if you know they're staring at you when they say some shit like that, don't you, make yeah, you make eye contact, it's a wrap. It's All over right. with. Look nope. At me. Nope. <laughs> not happening. Alright. <laughs> so most places we store it per hour by midnight within seven hours. Some as early as six PM. We in Ohio was not so lucky. We just well, where Rock I was party at in Ohio. For like three days. <laughs> three days of no power during the most wicked heat wave that I can remember from my childhood. Bro, for real. <laughs> Couldn't even get ice cream because it was all melted. You thought it was a setup how hot it was. So pretty much the immediate impact, according to the New York Independent System Operator, um, the immediate pa- impact was the power surge towards or Toronto. I'm probably not saying it right. Sorry if I butcher your Canadians, you know. The one, the where, uh, the place that starts with an O? Ontario? Ontario. Oh, Ontario. Oh, yeah, Ontario yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I see it. I think of Drake. I misspell. Oh, I don't Toronto. know. Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it that from now on just to insult Canadians. Hey, if we have any Canadian listeners, fuck you. Why? Nice people. Some of the nice. They are very. Something I learned recently. Hey, like, I got Canadian French. Yo. Yeah, same. Actually, something, you know how there's the there's the thing like oh they always say a. Eh? I actually uh, I learned this recently. That is Old English, yeah. which is put at the end of a sentence to apologize for the sentence being long or inconveniencing. Literally every time they say a, eh, it translates to I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do you think South Park made a fun of them so hard? Anywho. <laughs> but no, the- Canadians, I love you. Listen, <laughs> Canadians are responsible for Letterkenny, which is one of the funniest fucking shows I've ever Letter watched. Yeah. So, and also, Shorzy. They're Both responsible of those shows for uh, 16, which was a big part of my childhood. Okay, they're also responsible too. for Degrassi, and I'm not okay, but not okay with that listen i didn't watch degrassi and i used to like drake until recent (laughs) allegations (laughs) so and total drama island listen they're responsible total drama yeah it's a canadian oh you know what you know what i didn't know that canada gets the black air force activity certification (laughs) i think we all just agree we love canadians (laughs) yeah y'all good there was a character in total drama island named trent and he got the girl yeah. He yeah. also lost a girl. But he got Listen, I was, I've said it on Weebs in the Hood. My favorite two characters, Gwen and Duncan. Yep. You know I'm, how many times I went up to characters. You know how many yeah. times I went up to Gwen from our job and be like, hey Gwen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean How's for real. Gwen from Total Drama, not from our job. <laughs> I would like she inspired some kinks in me. Shit. Definitely. <laughs> Her and Shigo. She oh, oh yeah. definitely she Oh Shigo. Shigo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you know that like all of the names in Kim Possible are puns? Yep. Yes. Like yeah, like yeah. Shigo with a brother. Higo, We're getting off topic Shigo. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rufus. I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna keep him off topic for just a real quick. They got that from anime. Yes, they yeah. did. Anime tropes. Alright, do you know uh do you know what uh Draken? Is uh, Doctor Draken? Don't is don't, do it. don't do it. Don't I, do it. Don't do it. I was told not to do it. I can't don't do, do it. it. 
Go ahead, Trent. <laughs> Go ahead, Trent. <laughs> anyway, if you interrupt me again, Ed, I'm teabagging you. Especially not for a fucking D's nuts joke. <laughs> Fuck <okay>? you. <laughs> I was close. I was close no. to it. No. That was all a setup. No. Go on, Trent. Back to a serious moment. It's very hard to get into that. For the next 30 <laughs> minutes until 4.40 p.m., outages were reported in parks of Maryland, Baltimore, Michigan, Detroit, Ohio, Cleveland, Akron, Toledo, Oriental, uh, Toronto, London, Windsor, New Jersey, Newark, New York, New York City, Sulford, Westchester, Orange, Westchester, Orange, Rockland County, Westchester. I can't, I can't with these names. I'm sorry. <laughs> Burlington and uh, just more New York cities. How about we say that? Just the state of New York. The state. Of, I know they already said New York, but they had to specify the different cities in New York. Fuck them. All of them. All of them. Just say all of them, you piece of shit. All anyway. these bitches. Let's go. Anyway, these outages, uh, these outages, if any of you guys remember, were caused by an Ak- Akron employee that uh, pressed a few wrong buttons. If you guys, do. God damn it, yeah. Akron! I didn't if, even. I did not know that. Did you guys not know that? No, I didn't know that. Fuck I that knew, guy. I knew the cause of it was an escalating um, failure. <laughs> But I didn't know, like, what caused the escalating failure. All right. So a series of falls caused by tree branches touching power lines in Ohio, which were then complicated by human error. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we get our bad rap. Literally. Software problems and equipment failure leads to the most widespread blackout in North American history. Can we just blame it on Cthulhu and lean into the no, memes? No, we're blaming it on an This was before the memes. Yeah. yeah, but not before Cthulhu. Let's go. See, Akron ain't that great. They brought us LeBlanc, but they also brought us the biggest blackout in history. Pick your battles. I mean, yeah, they brought LeBron, but the nigga don't even live there no more. Yeah, he don't. He don't even <laughs> really even claim Akron. He don't even visit his summer home. <laughs> he don't claim Akron. He claims Cleveland, and again, he ain't here. <laughs> yep. That part. <laughs> Shit. Hey, look, I'm a LeBron fan. I yeah, I, that, I respect it. That man. Look, that man. You that are man can a guest. Listen, a goat is a goat, but still. Yep. <laughs> I'm a fan of LeBron. I'm not a fan of that terrible hairline. Continue. <laughs> Go on, my friend. There's a hairline. <laughs> I thought I was bad. Um, hey, you know what? Real quick, I used to have a magic playmat that had LeBron with an Eldritch Horror on it. I love that playmat, by the way. Wait, hold up. What? Yeah, there was a magic playmat that had LeBron with an Eldritch uh, Abomination on it. It was back from 2016. Yep. I had it. I got it during a pre release, and then I sold it to our dude that ran the magic shop downtown <laughs> okay first of all the fuck no wonder we get the memes second of all Trent, go on yep <laughs> so pretty much i want you guys our listeners to understand the wide wide effects of the spread of this power outage that caused and reasons why you probably will not hear about it unless it's the anniversary or I don't know. They don't really even talk about it on the news anymore, do they? No, nah, this is barely brought up. Yeah. I mean, don't be surprised in 20 years if they do a media blackout on this shit because they're so ashamed. I'm just saying, like, th- there's, there's a reason why we do these podcasts. <laughs> but Recording pr- history. 
thought it's only I thought it was so we had an excuse to drink on a Wednesday. Uh, you would have done that anyway. I yeah. Was about to say, you need a reason? Yeah. Right. You don't Josh, shut the fuck up. I'm so, I would have done it anyway too. Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> My payday is on Tuesday, so yeah, Wednesday drink is yeah. Trent, please finish up and everyone else, please just done until he can get this out. <laughs> All right, so I just want to finish up that they didn't actually find the cause of this blackout until a year later in 2004 when the U.S. and the Can- Canada d- decided to create a task force for this um, problem that occurred in 2003. But with all that being said, yes, the employee did get fired. <laughs> a year later. Yes, this is some fried shit. Imagine getting pulled into the office for that at that point. Dog, I'd have looked at them like, I'm getting fired for something I did a year later? Um, Y'all wild. Over 80 million people affected and 100 died because of this person. So, good job. You did a great day at work. 100 died? From what causes, do you know? Um, Different causes from the blackouts, whether it's looting, rioting, bullshit-ass gunshot wounds... Cops are not answering the phone anymore because uh, the phones don't work. You gotta think. You gotta remember, Ed. Also, everything went down. Hospitals, like probably just straight up heat stroke killed people. There's a reason we were cooking out every night. I'm like, shit. Only this. This was before it was public that every company had backup generators. Only a select few had. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to point out to our listeners, if you are interested and don't really remember about the blackout, there is a uh, a documentary on it, and it's called Blackout. Um, it's I don't think you could find it on like Hulu or Netflix. I do remember seeing it at Netflix at one point in time, but this was like four years ago. But I'm sure if you look it up and like look for the scenery of a blacked out city. You'll be able to find it for free. I'm not going to tell you how to pirate movies, but if you know how to do it, that is up to you. You are your own person anyway. One, two, three, movies. Movies. We're not advertising pirating movies, but at the same time. Butt locker. <laughs> Don't get us banned, nigga. <laughs> but um, pretty much, uh, it'll give you a details on what the effects did to, obviously, um, big cities like New York, um some stories with people behind it what the hospitals had to go through during those three heat wave fucking bullshit days it was just it was almost like it was a setup you really think it was a setup if you lived it if you were there to see it and yeah that was mine Hmm. i wanted to do something that was kind of recent but at the same time old enough that if you know, you don't remember things before you were seven, then you're not going to remember this. Yeah, I mean, be fair. I don't remember shit before seven. Seven is my earliest memories. You guys got, like, early-ass memories. I remember from the Dream episode. Y'all were... Yeah, my earliest memories are, like, when I was five. My right. earliest memory was 1999 when I was three. Mine is a tragic one. I don't... <laughs> I'm asking for well, the, the year, the, the, not the yeah, context. Yeah, I am your literally. therapist. 1999 when I was two years old. All right, I'm sure it was fucked as hell. Moving on. Hey, Josh, do you want to? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go on to mine. So I got three different ones. Two two are two are short. They're a little bit shorter, but then I have like a little bit of a a decent length one that isn't too long. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to pick one, two, or three. Can you guys settle on a number? Two. Two. 
I guess it's two. I, I was one. born December 2nd. We all agree, too. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> number two is something that I wasn't going <laughs> to pick, but I thought of Ed when I seen it, and I was like... I'm I th- already insulted. Tell no, me. you're going to like this one. Oh. Number two is something called the Great Kentucky Meat Shower. Wait. <laughs> Oh, is this anything this. close to a body farm? Because let me the fuck know no. right now. All this right. sounds like it's raining men. I've heard of this. Uh, it, this shit's wild. Uh, all, right, all right, go on. Go the on. Great Kentucky Meat Shower. Mystery unwound by projectile vulture vomit. So this is something that I'm pretty sure they figured out way like years and years after it happened. Like a very long time after. So it says, on March 3rd, 1876, large hunks of flesh fell from the sky over Olympia Springs in Bath County, Kentucky. Ah, yes, the glow cloud bits of it. (laughs) According to a New York Times article published uh, the following week, the phenomenon occurred right nearby the house of one Alan Crouch, whose wife was outside making soap when it happened. So... I'm waiting for the part that gets that made you think of me. So just keep that in mind as you go. Just the phenomenon itself. Listen, you're the canned meat guy here, so because I eat spam. <laughs> just listen. Meat spam. Spam. Is <laughs> oh, pork <laughs> out of Thank the you, can. And Vienna Thank sausages. You. Vienna, Vienna sausages, sausages are good. Vienna sausages. Good. This nigga so, will eat any meat that came in a can. So okay. So. <laughs> I don't okay. even take this. According to a New York Times article published the following week, yeah, so it, uh, his wife was outside making some good old-fashioned soap, and she said, the meat, which looked like beef, fell all around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it fell like large snowflakes. If this was a documentary, the words meat shower would be appear on the screen right now, with trickles of little red meat flakes falling behind. A few <laughs> select flakes would fall in front of the words for effect. This this was written by someone who wanted yes. to be a director. Yes, Definitely. absolutely. Which the source for this is blogs.scientificamerican.com. So that, that there you go. So back at the Crouch residence, Mr. Harrison Gill, whose veracity was described by the New York Times as unquestionable, visited the day after the alleged flesh falls and noted the presence of meat sticking out of the fences and scattered across the ground. At least one of the hunks measured 10 centimeters squared, but most were around 5 by 5 centimeters. They were apparently fresh when they fell, but having been left out all night, they were now spoiled and dry. Two unidentified gentlemen turned up to taste the meat rain and declared that it had the flavor of either venison or mutton. (laughs) The first explanation... I knew someone must have eaten it. Of course. The first this explanation. Is we're talking about. I, oh, I, this is Kentucky. Yeah, no. like <laughs> say less. In, in the 1870s, people are trying the meat. <laughs> I mean, I would have. That's for just, real. That's a free dinner just ran. <laughs> <laughs> the first explanation came three months later when someone called Leopold Brandes received and analyzed some of the specimens that had been preserved in glycerin. He announced the meat was not actually meat at all. At last, we have a proper explanation of this much-talked phenomenon. It is reported in Scientific American that year. It has been comparatively easy to identify the substance and to fix its status. The Kentucky Wonder is no more or less than Nostoc, a type of bacteria that forms colonies surrounded by a protective gelinous uh, envelope, which is the Nostoc that I just mentioned. 
is known to swell up into a translucent jelly-like mass whenever it rains. Because it's so inconspicuous when dry, for many years people believed Nostok to float on, on the breeze until it rained, which caused it to fall from the sky like hail. Colorful nicknames such as Star Jelly, Witch's Butter, and Star Slubber were thrown around. Come on. Bullshit. This venison-tasting fucking <laughs> mutton-ass shit was not... It's meat-tasting like, no, no, bacteria. No, no. Come no, on no, now. No, 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 Star no, no, no. Jelly. No, no. This was a fucking plague by God. I kind of like Witch's Butter. You know, what, this what was, was that better. last one? What, blubber? Star slubber. Star star slubber. Come on now. This Someone is... fucking sacrificed a virgin and they're covering it up. That's what I'm saying. This is better than the dancing hysteria. Please yeah. continue. <laughs> Josh, you know about that shit? That was one of the options Yo. that I was going to yeah, pick. Josh. That was one of the ones oh, I was looking at. I should have done the ha- dancing hysteria. I was like, you know what? I... I won't do it. For our listeners, if you guys don't know, it's just a quick, quick brief. The dancing hysteria is the uh, hysteria where one woman decided to start dancing in the middle of the town in the 1500s. And then, miraculously, the whole town started dancing until all of them passed out and died. What was it, like three months of dancing? Yes, they yes. died of, like, they were in there all just, every day people were dying of heart failure because they couldn't stop. And it wasn't, like, random individual people. It was, like, groups of people would just randomly start and, and they, they couldn't stop. And then they, like, built a dance hall or whatever? Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and they decided that it all happened because of the bread. Yep. Molded bread. Yeah. Yes. There was chemicals there was bad bacteria in the bread because they weren't preserving it right and shit like that and they were eating it and josh so much respect for you yes. for that. yeah but uh it says brandy's identified the kentucky nostock as belonging to the species nostock cranium which he described as flesh colored in the sanitarium but really it honestly just looks like the color of seaweed it tastes like frog or spring chicken legs he said and had ballooned and fallen upon the crouch residence when it rained Oh, but really, it's a totally different color than what everyone said it was. Yeah. You know what? It's fine, as long as it tastes like meat. <laughs> but wait a minute. What rain? Didn't the Crouches report it to be perfectly clear that night? Fortunately, Brandy's didn't play a completely useless role in the investigation because he had given a couple of mystery meat samples to experienced histologist and president of the New York Scientific Association, Dr. A. Mead Edwards, who said it was likely the lung tissue of a human infant or a horse. <laughs> wow another histologist dr jws arnold studied the specimens and agreed concluding the american uh, journal of microscopy and popular science that they consisted of some kind of animal cartilage and lung tissue eventually seven samples were examined by several scientists who confirmed two to be lung tissue three to be muscular tissue and two were said to be made of cartilage so how did they come to be involved in the infamous kentucky shower of flesh Enter the man with the best explanation for the shower of quivering flesh that we're probably ever going to get, Dr. L.D. Kastenbein, who wrote in 1876 edition of the Louisville Medical News that it was quite literally a coordinated bout of projectile vulture vomit. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> yes. Someone pissed off. Jesus. <laughs> wow and then y'all just ate that all up huh and that was probably the explanation they were going with for a while <laughs> okay is everyone on board with their explanation everyone agrees they're they're completely up on the up and up with that yeah 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 <laughs> i mean it makes sense 1780s 
Yeah. Okay. But still, to have your house focused under vulture vomit is uh, pretty interesting. So it says, having obtained a sample of his own, Castin Bean set fire to it and observed that it smelt distinctly of a rancid mutton. The only plausible theory uh, explanatory of this anomalous shower appears to be appears appears to me to be that suggested by the old Ohio farmer, <laughs> the disorgument of some vultures that were sailing over the spot from the immense height. The particles were scattered by the prevailing wind over the ground, he wrote. The variety of tissue discovered, muscular, connective, fatty, structureless, etc., can be explained only by this theory. Two species of vulture are found in Kentucky, the black vulture and the turkey vulture, both of which are known to projectile vomit their stomach contents away as either a defense mechanism or to make themselves light enough for flight. So that's why it tasted like mutton or venison was because that's just what they ate? Yes, it was... Literally the contents of yeah, what a vulture tastes ate. like my dog. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so that was number two. You have one in three next. You can either save the big boy for the last one or we can do. Okay, so we got to choose between big boy and uh, let's see. Another kind of short one, but it is very interesting. I will say that much. I kind of okay. wanted to do the short one, save the big boy for last. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's give us the fat man. We'll save the little boy for after. Okay. So the next one that you guys picked is one that you might have heard before. Something uh, I think is very interesting, and I don't think it's been deciphered at all to this day. And it's a little something called the Voynich Manuscript. Ooh. Ooh, shit. Uh (coughs) So from what I remember off the top of my head before I read the source... The Voynich manuscript is something that was found, like, uh, I think it was found in, like, the 1500s. It was a long, long time ago. And it got passed down for, like, a lot of different rulers and, like, scholars and shit like that throughout history. At some point, it went missing. And then it popped back up again, like, a different century. But uh, it's a manuscript that is written in a language that, to this day, has never been deciphered. I bet I could do it. And it's a book. 20 minutes. It's a I book. think I actually heard of this. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of popular, but also surprisingly a lot of people have never, never heard of it. But it's a, it, uh, it's a book that has like, there's a bunch of like paintings and drawings and stuff like that inside of it of plants and shit like that that also don't exist. But Yes. It, yeah, I have heard of it. It's, it's a book of literally like about like fauna. It looks like it's about like fauna and shit like that. And there, the reason why we know it's a language is because it's not something that's made up because there are patterns in like the lines of the text, but it's still undecipherable. I'm gonna need a link later. Yeah. I got a question. Hmm. Does this relate to the two children that was found? No, I don't believe you, so. You talking about the oh. green ones? Yes. Yeah, no, it's not related to. Them. No, yeah, okay. This is just a, a completely standalone. Like it's a book that was found a long long time ago and like i said to this day no one has deciphered it people have been trying for literally thousands of years to understand what it means and no one has made a dent so uh many call the 15th century codex commonly known as the voynich manuscript the world's most mysterious book written in an unknown script by an unknown author the manuscript has no clearer purpose now than it uh than when it was rediscovered in 1912 rare books dealer uh wilfred voynich 
The manuscript appears and disappears throughout history from the library of the Holy Roman Empire Emperor Rudolf II to a secret sale of books in 1903. Sorry, it always gets me knowing that an emperor's name was Rudolf since our only association with that nowadays is da 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 them, them games must have been real brutal. <laughs> Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. So they didn't let him play the the reindeer game. <laughs> <laughs> so he took over the church. Fuck. So yeah, Holy Rome, uh, Roman Emperor Rudolf II had it. Uh, he took it to a sale of books in 1903 uh, by the Society of Jesus in Rome. The book's language has eluded decipherment and its elaborate illustrations remain as baffling as they are beautiful. Like, they look really cool. Like, whoever painted them did a fucking amazing job for whatever fucking time period it came out of. Um, For the first time, uh, complete with elaborate folding sections allowing readers to explore its enigma instead. So, that's the other thing, too. If you want to look at this thing, like, go see it in person... There's only, like, select people in the world that are allowed to see it in person. That is very true. However... No one has ever deciphered it. I mean, we've only let five people see it, but... But they do upload, like, pages of it online. Yeah, no, there... Okay. You can you can f- see the text on it. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. So, for the first time, this fast smile complete with elaborate folding sections allows readers to explore this enigma in all its stunning detail from its one-of-a-kind... They call it Voynichese... Text to illustrations of otherworldly plants, unfamiliar constellations, and naked women swimming through fantastical tubes and green baths. I'm on board. <laughs> the essay that accompanied the manuscript explained what we have learned about this work from alchemical, cryptographic, forensic, and historical perspectives, but they provide few definitive answers. Instead, as New York Times bestselling author Deborah Hark- uh, Harkness says in her introduction to the book, it invites the reader to join uh, join us at the heart of the mystery. So, like I said, this is something that, like, you got to understand. A book that has existed for thousands of years, that has never been deciphered, that has been handed down by, like, some of those powerful people in history, and still nothing. No leads. Anywhere. So, it says, written in Central Europe at the end of the 15th or during the 16th century... The origin, language, and date of the Voynich Manuscript, named after the Polish-American antiquarian bookseller Rolfred M. Voynich, who acquired it in 1912, are still being debated as vigorously as its puzzling drawings in undeciphered text. Described as a magical or scientific text, nearly every page contains botanical, figurative, and scientific drawings of a provincial and but lively character, drawn in ink with vibrant washes in various shades of green, brown, yellow, blue, and red. Based on the subject matter of the drawings, the contents of the manuscript fall into six sections. Botanicals containing drawings of 113 unidentified plant species. Number two, astronomical and astrological drawings, including astral charts with radiating circles, suns and moons, zodiac symbols such as Pisces, Taurus, Sagittarius, nude females emerging from pipes or chimneys, and courtly figures. Number three, a biological section containing a myriad of drawings of miniature female nudes, most with swelled abdomens, immersed or wading in fluids, and oddly interacting with interconnecting tubes and capsules. And number four, 
an elaborate array of nine cosmological medallions, many drawn across several folded folios and depicting possible geographical forms. Five pharmaceutical drawings of over a hundred different species of medicinal herbs and roots portrayed with jars or vessels in red, blue, or green, and number six, continuous pages of text, possibly recipes, with star-like flowers marking each entry in the margin. For a complete physical description and fully, yeah, uh, it's foliation including missing leaves in the Voynich catalog record. So, like, just a lot of, like I said, it's very, like, a very plant-based book. That's why people think it's, like, some sort of, like, magical text or something like that. A lot of people assumed it was, like, a book about alchemy from the 15th century or something and mm. stuff like that. Um, like its contents, the history of ownership of the Voynich manuscript is contested and filled with some gaps. The codex belonged to Emperor Rudolf II of Germany, the Holy Roman Emperor, that's 1576 to 1612, uh, who purchased it for 600 gold ducats and believed that it was the work of Roger Bacon. It is very likely that Emperor Rudolf acquired the manuscript from English astrologer John Dee. Dee apparently owned the manuscript along with a number of other Roger Bacon manuscripts. In addition, Dee stated that he had 630 ducats in October 1586, and his son noted that D, while in Bohemia, owned a book containing nothing but hieroglyphics, which book his father bestowed much time upon. But I could not hear that he could make out uh, make it out. Emperor Rudolf seems to have given the manuscript to Jacobus Horkicki de Tepenzik? Yeah. Uh, in yeah. exchange based on the inscription visible only with ultraviolet light on folio 1R, which reads, Jacobi de Dependic, Johannes Marcus Marchi of Kronlin presented the book to Athanasius Kircher. These are a lot of very old people. <laughs> with very, very old names. Yeah. Yes. In 1912, Wilfred M. Voynich purchased the manuscript from Jesuit College at Frascati near Rome in 1969. The codex was given to the Benecke Library by H.P. Krauss, who had purchased it from the estate of Ethel Voynich, Wilfred Voynich's widow. So that's like all we know about the book. And like there's tons of pictures of it online and it just looks crazy as hell. It's like it. So it, it's it basically everyone's thinking this is like some sort of alchemy book, some sort of like witchcraft thing or um there's any anything you could think of if you actually look at the book you would like question it too because it's really got some broad off drawings and everything in between you also got to remember this is the time the time for like 15 1600s where like a pocket where apothecaries and all that type herbal remedies were a big were basically the main source of medicine but again the weird thing is, is yes, people think, oh, it's some, maybe some kind of like alchemy or herbology book or something like that. But if that's the case and there's clearly patterns in whatever language that it's written in, why can no one decipher it? And it didn't bring it up in that article, but in the past I've read things like It people, was written by a doctor, that's why. People think that it was either maybe written by a group of people that maybe existed in the 15 to 1600s that maybe aren't around today or something like that. But also 
they the cover of like the book is made of a material that is like argued about being like around in that period of time as well because mind you this material is also held up and they've done like the fucking what's it called the whole pro carbon dating they've carbon dated the book and it is from that era but people don't understand how it's withheld so well over all the years and like yeah it's like all these big people in history have owned it and they probably kept good care of it but still i mean the book is from the 15 to 1600s i'd like to think that all the plants in it and everything have gone extinct that it's it's that's why it's so difficult to understand like exactly what they were doing with it but it, in all reality it was just a book of natural laxatives <laughs> well like I, the the biggest thing to me that's amazing is like i said there are, it's not like a few, there are hundreds of unidentified species of plants and like other shit. That's the biggest problem in that identifying. That people can't identify. Not, not just the language can't be deciphered, but also the plants and stuff like that that it writes about. So people think, like, I'm sure there are people who think this. It just dropped out of the Fey realm. Because like, I could see that. Oh, there's a few, I could see that. There's a few um, isekai theories about it. Yeah, there, there's isekai like theory. there's like al- all right, weeb from the hood. Yeah, that is facts. essentially what some of these theories. There's are. and there's alien theories about it too, yep. which is stupid. Yeah, true that. I, yeah, I have seen that. There's there, a hollow earth theory about the book. Oh, true that. God. Yeah, they they think it's about like it's a book that somehow there was like a society from inside the hollow earth that like. That was like a book of their recipes or herbology or something like that, or maybe even just a journal of the books, and it somehow ended up on top side of the planet. Like it just weird shit like that. Yeah, except that one's kind of fucking stupid. I mean, that you don't believe in Hollow Earth. <laughs> you believe in Hollow Earth? No, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, then me. we're on the same page. Let's move on. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise Dead-ass. me. But no, yeah, it wouldn't surprise. I, I'd be a little bit shook. That that is uh that's the Voynich manuscript. Uh, there's a little bit of other things to say about it, but for the broad strokes, I covered mainly everything about it. Um, the cool thing is, is I to this day they are still offering rewards to people if they can decipher even like a sentence of it, and it's a lot of money. So people are like highly encouraged to like try and decipher it. Because if you can get a sentence, you can probably start cracking the whole thing. But you you gotta understand too, people that have gone to like school and like college professors that are like top in their field, there are for centuries have tried to decipher this. There are cryptozoologists, which is literally the field of studying hieroglyphs and messages and ciphers cannot figure it out they cannot crack it so i i encourage our listeners and everyone else here to to try and take a crack at it if you feel like it i don't think that i could crack it in 20 minutes i get it it's it's more complicated (laughs) 30 minutes let's go (laughs) but yeah that's the voynich manuscript so the last the last big boy that i have is a it's not a big boy but it's bigger than the other two and well, you built this up as like the big man, the big guy. I, well, I said at the beginning, it's bigger than the other two. All right, all right. But it's not that crazy, but it is interesting. And it's called The Mysterious Ancient Tale of Zhu Fu and His Realm Built with Stolen Wealth from an Emperor. Now, that Zhu, is an isekai-ass name. Zhu Fu 
was a man that worked for an emperor in ancient China that I believe he got sent to some land to retrieve something for the emperor. Something that was some great treasure, some shit like that, that the emperor wanted. And he came back empty-handed and um, (laughs) he told the emperor that he was prohibited from retrieving said treasure because when he sailed to where his emperor told him to on the ship, they were prohibited from going there by creatures in the sea. And when he told his emperor that, his emperor said, bullshit, go back and get it. And he never... I mean, that is probably the most appropriate response under uh, most circumstances. Yeah, yeah, he said, bullshit, go back and get it. And Jufu was never seen again. No one ever seen this man ever again. So what this story comes into is according to ancient folklore and legend, a certain Jufu made contact with the first Jin emperor. This is two... 221 to 210 BCE, and it claimed that he had a lead on finding three evasive spirit mountains, huge and mobile supernatural masses, which, like mirages, could be seen but not reached in the Gulf of of the uh, Bohai region. These spirit mountains, according to legend, served as homes to a mysterious community of supernatural Chinese entities known collectively as the Immortals. Zhu Fu claimed he had discovered specific spirit mountains called Fengzong, Yingzhou, and Penglai, of which the last was seemingly the most important. From these magical islands, an elixir of immortality could reportedly be obtained, which was something that the first emperor was eager to possess. Those with, like, in Asian cultures, just all around, they always want, like, the emperor always wants immortality. Seems like a common thread because it was a sign of great strength. Yeah, that's if also you, if you are immortal, that means your empire lives forever. Is yeah, I, I, and I get that. It's just it's like all across the east. Um, it's also Always not immort- just it's not just Asian. Um, Greece and Rome had it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I get their it. their form of immortality wasn't like everlasting life. It was like doing deeds that would be talked about forever. Well, I mean, yeah, well, wasn't that like an Anglo-Saxon idea? The the English they had it too. the English a long time ago people might know this from Pirates of the Caribbean and they took this as like a, this is something that actually happened in history the English were like back when the East Indian like trading route and shit like that in the ocean and all of that shit with like pirates like yar like yar that type of shit like way old pirates. Like, Spanish pirates and shit like that thought the Fountain of Immortality was a thing. Do you want to hear my impression of a pirate that understands you're busy, but wants you to see if there's weird noises coming from his alcohol? Not really. So, (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) continue. So, um, Jufu must have uh, been a charismatic and persuasive man. For the first emperor of Kin, who was obsessed with the supernatural realm and immortality decided to place Jufu in command of a large expedition tasked with exploring the Gulf of Bohai and making contact with the Spirit Mountains. In his enthusiasm, the Emperor sent a fortune on the expedition, allegedly recruiting thousands of explorers to accompany Jufu and providing the expedition members with enough ships for their seaborne search. Yet despite the more than adequate funding and the large manpower involved in the search, Jufu never made any progress in his expedition. After all, he was searching for ghostly spirit mountains of legend, 
Zhu Fu, however, reportedly kept the emperor interested and invested in the expedition by sending in fantastical reports. He came up with a number of odd excuses for his inability to find the magical mountain abodes, such as suggesting that magical barriers guarded the islands and that hostile aquatic guardians patrolled the gulf. According to the historian Sima Xian, one such message to the first emperor read, the herbs of Penglai can surely be obtained, but always there are large fish that cause difficulty, and therefore we are unable to reach the island. In response, the emperor reportedly gave the explorers fishing gear, and for the biggest of fish, repeating crossbows. Zhu Fu likely knew that he could not keep the char- uh, charade up forever. He would not be able to provide the emperor with immortality bestowing herbs, and heads would roll when the truth came out. Because, you know, I mean, the nigga wants immortality... If you want immortality, you're most likely, I mean, without a doubt, going to be willing to kill for it. So, Facts. Therefore, Zhu Fu decided to prepare an exit plan and use his influence over the emperor to get the government to provide him everything he needed to start a new life abroad. The aforementioned historian, Sima Xian, recorded the conclusion to the fantastical and folkloric story of Zhu Fu writing. The first emperor of the of the kin sent Zhu Fu to sail over the sea in search of the spirits, and he returned and lied to the emperor, saying, In the midst of the sea I met a great spirit who asked me if I were the envoy from the emperor of the west. When I answered that I was, he asked me what I was seeking for. I am looking for the medicine which increases one's years and brings long life. Your king of kin, replied the spirit, is too stingy with his courtesy. You may see the medicine, but you cannot take it back with you. Then he led me to the southeast to the mountain of Penglai, where I saw palaces and towers surrounded by lawns of grass. There was a messenger there, copper-colored and shaped like a dragon, with streams of light pouring from his body and lighting up the sky. When I saw him, I bowed before him twice and asked what sort of offerings should I bring. And the sea god replied, If you will bring me the sons of good families and beautiful maidens along with products of your various craftsmen, then you may have the medicine. As the bizarre tale Dude goes... really said, bring me dudes and bitches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... And your best shit that you've, ever, that you've ever made. I want the boys and I want the bitches. Give bring me your possessions, motherfucker. Yeah. So, as the tale goes, Jufu's imaginative account with its cast of spirits, spirit mountains, and dragonesque gods was highly compelling to the ears of the supernatural-obsessed First Emperor. The items supposedly requested by the Sea God were said to have been quickly gathered by the Emperor, and Zhu Fu gladly took possessions of the personal uh, personnel and materials on the pretense of bringing them as an offering to the Spirit Mountain residents. Yet, of course, Zhu Fu did not really intend to bring the caravan of people and goods to the Gulf of Bohai. He had more personal intentions, as told by the historian Sima Xian. When the first emperor heard this, he was overjoyed and immediately sent Zhu Fu back east again, accompanied by 3,000 boys and girls of good families and bearing presents of seeds of the five types of grains and articles produced by the various craftsmen. But when Zhu Fu reached Pengyan in Ganzi, he halted his journey, made himself king of the region, and never returned to Qin. And so, after wasting the emperor's time and squandering a great amount of government's money, Zhu Fu reportedly was able to escape with treasure and followers, as for the first emperor, even after the expedition's leader disappearance, he evidently continued to believe in Zhu Fu's stories about there being spirit mountains and magical beings at the gulf. 
In keeping with this, the first emperor was said to have been touring the coastline of the Gulf of Bohai and hunting for giant fish when he fell ill and died in 210 BCE. So a lot of other stories said like this Zhu Fu guy, not only did he escape his emperor and robbed him essentially, but also a lot of people think like there's different endings to the story too. Like the real story that people assume is he took all of it, settled in the region, made himself king, basically built up a settlement from there on, whatever. But a lot of people like rumored that he... Even after he died, he remained as like a god of like the area that he settled in. Even it, like it was really weird. But for the longest time, this emperor like he had no idea what happened to Zhu Fu. He just knew that that nigga went to give the gods offerings and he never came back. And that was it. <laughs> That's fried as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what a finesse. He exactly. took 3,000 3, boys and girls and valuable items from his emperor and said, later. You know, modern-day con artists would be proud. You know, oh, I yeah, wonder definitely. how easy that was back then. Like, for real, like, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. obviously it wasn't going to be super, like, easy. But at the same time, if you if you had the charisma, I could definitely see that you could just walk up to the Lord and, like, come up with something and be like, all right, and I'm going to need this much cash and mm-hmm. this much. And honestly, in that circumstance, the more the better because it's going to be more convincing that a god wants a lot. You can't go up and be like, I want 10 gold. Uh, that's what the god's demanding. The god's not going to demand 10 gold. He's going to demand 10,000 gold. So you give them that, and then it's more convincing. And if I could take their gold, you get the fuck out. It's, and the thing is, it's like a leader's biggest enemy is their own head, especially back in like... Like, if, when we're talking about ancient, like, East Asia and shit, like, like emperors thirsting for power and shit like that, if they hear that there's a chance of immortality, if they're not, like, you know, grounded well, they're going to let that go to their head, and they're going to do whatever they can to try and obtain that. Can I just say I love the way you say immortality? You say immortality instead of immortality? I mean, emphasis. Emphasis. That's fine. That's fine. But, like, it's it's one of those things, like, it was probably just that easy of going back saying like, look, the gods showed it to me. They got this shit, but you got to offer them a lot. And he probably bought it instantly. There probably wasn't a thought about it. He was probably like, okay, shit, that's what I got to do. Give it to him. I mean, you're not going to take a risk at pissing off the gods. Let's, let's go through a list of things gods can do. They can smite you. They can smite your loved ones. They can make your dick crack off, rot off. <laughs> I think that already happened. But also, I mean, not only that, though, you got to think about it. If you want to be immortal, right, like, the the thought process is I'm going to get all that back. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to live forever anyway. So. It's like when you're reassured of the idea, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I got. The Voynich Manuscript, fucking Jufu, and, uh, yeah, raining. Jufu is. Raining vulture vomit. Wily bastard. Yeah. I think that the vomit was a cover-up, and we have to recognize (laughs) that the government and and the the reptilian. Hey, look, they just tried to poison a whole town. That's all. Nothing nothing crazy. They're shutting off the electricity (laughs) and doing uh, something about Pangea. Um, Let's see. There you go. That's... Ed, I'm eager to see what you have. Facts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's Honestly, see what that twisted head got. It's weird, 
it isn't too long because I wanted to make sure that I got something shorter since we got an extra person. I want to make sure that we're not going way over on our normal time. But uh, what I chose was the Meowing Nuns. Anyone heard of it? Mm, yes. Yes? Sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, I think so. That just sounds like something out of a horror movie, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, facts. Okay. So I'm just going to go through this here. Written accounts of mass hysteria come from all over the world and date back to the Middle Ages at least. They involve mostly women, which, let's be honest, like, women and hysteria go together historically like peanut butter and jelly. I, they, for some reason, just assumed everything a woman did ever was hysteria. So, I mean, oh, you're doing the dishes? Man, you crazy. That's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but not solely. Not solely women. Uh, people of all ages, and it it would be people of all ages, all genders, all what have you. It's just it was mostly women. Wink, wink. <laughs> Often the backdrop of an institution that imposes rigid moral and behavioral codes on its residents, such as the boarding school of convent. Okay, boarding school of convent was, well, obviously the name of the place in which this had taken place. One of the odder accounts of this, wait, one of the odder accounts is about a seemingly contagious bout of meowing, so cat-like animal meowing, uh, as a covenant in France, as a covenant in France, the first person to document the episode was German physician and writer Justin, and I'm going to butcher this, Frederick Carl Herker. <laughs> uh, that's the one that's really getting me. A lot of crazy names this episode. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of different stories Facts. coming out. I mean, you brought three yourself. Shit. Yeah. yeah, I felt like I should have added two more. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all other accounts seem to spring from his or come around that. So his is basically the... The root of the information here. Uh, in the Epidemics of the Middle Ages, uh, in 1844, he writes, I have read in a good medical work that a nun in a very large coven in France began to mew. And it does not say meow. It says mew. M-E-W. Like a cat. Shortly afterwards, other nuns also mewed. At least all the nuns mewed together. At last, all the nuns mewed together. The whole surrounding uh, Christian neighborhood heard with equal cadrin. I'm not sure what that word means, and I remember reading through and not being entirely sure the first time. Uh, Is it chagrin? Chagrin. Yeah, I'm still not too familiar. What's that mean? Oh, uh, chagrin is just like. I want to, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it was, a, it's a chagrin is like, it's not like straight up dissatisfaction, but it's not kind of like a reluctant acceptance. So kind of an irritation? Kind of. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. And astonishment. The Daily Cat Concert eventually probably prodded the complaining coven neighbors. Police placed a bunch of soldiers at the coven's entrance the nuns were told the soldiers had rods and would continue with uh, whipping them until they promised not to mew anymore. <laughs> so basically what had happened, one nun started meowing. All the other nuns started meowing with the first nun. So it was a bunch of Neko cat girl nuns 
who were all just mewing around the fucking church <laughs> in such audible volume that the entire surrounding town, so probably all in unison as well, that the entire town around them not only heard it, but placed a noise complaint, and the cops showed up and said, look, I get it, you're nuns, women of God, <laughs> but this is so fucking annoying that I will go to hell today if it means that I can whip that fucking nonsense out of you. <laughs> and that was my favorite part about this story. Honestly, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I can't really disagree with the cops on that one. <laughs> no, for real. Evidently, after this, uh, they ended up stopping, uh, apparently. While meowing as a form of release or resistance or whatever is plain bizarre to us, context matters. As American medical sociologist Robert Bartholomew has pointed out, once upon a time, many others believed in a terrible, terribly feared demon and possession, including possession by animals and fam as familiars, cats still are a receptacle for the superstitious imagine how potent that fear would have been in the middle ages so basically the idea was a lot of people thought that they were just possessed by fucking cats and some form of evil familial spirits and dark demons and cats were just associated as being familiar animals for dark magic users well now i'm just imagining walking past like a nun in the middle ages and her eyes are just like solid black and you look at her and she just meows at you and just keeps walking. I'd shit myself. Yeah, I'd be you? terrified. All I know is I would get as a guy who throws out random ass animal noises, I'd be killed in the Middle Ages like almost instantly. I feel like Oh, I'd kill you almost. Instantly. I feel like yeah, this catch me meowing with way. But also, <laughs> I feel like this is probably like a sick joke that went too far. Yeah, I feel probably. like the nuns are probably just looking at each other when they're like, "What if we just started like yeah. yeah, and they're yeah. like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then gonna. one day the police show up outside their house, like, look, you guys need to stop, or we're gonna fucking beat the shit. Everyone out of you. is yeah. scared, <laughs> and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> so, do y'all remember the clapping thing in um, Illyria High? Yes, that's yes. what this is kind of reminding me. I don't. Of. Yeah. One, I didn't go to Illyria. One person would clap in the halls, and then. Everyone else would just start fucking clapping. It escalated to the point where they got the entire lunchroom, which was I'm. We used to hold our dance, our uh, homecoming dances in the lunchroom. Facts. That's how big it was. Right. It was like the size of two basketball courts and as long as probably a basketball. During court lunch, the, yeah. it would just randomly like erupt out like applause. Mm -hmm. People would just start <laughs> clapping it, for no reason. The lunchroom was about was the size like, of a football. Did they try to keep a yeah, rhythm? Like in unison, or no, it was just clapping like somebody was, did something good. Yeah, it was like someone just got like nominated for a fucking award. Yeah. But I think like, I blacked were, that out for real. I smoked like, so much weed, I was like, fuck that. There shit. was no prompt for it. People yeah. would just start like an One applause. Guy would out of just nowhere. start it, and it would just be a rap. Was everyone under a lot of stress or something no? at the time? Like, Catch it even happening know? at the library, bro. They'd be like, shh. <laughs> at the library. That's just rude. You want to know what it was? The the teachers didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So that's fair. So, and fuck teachers. The, the, it, if one person does it, the teacher can stop them. But if mm -hmm. the entire fucking cafeteria starts doing it, no one or everyone in them. the hallway is doing it, yep. they can't stop like, everyone. 
I respect what teachers deal with to try to be teachers. I just don't protect. I just don't respect teachers in the sense that most of them kind of suck at it. No fact. Yeah, yeah that's fair. No, yeah. that is fair. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue that. I will say it was funny because they tried to like, they were like, we're gonna watch the cameras and we're gonna figure out. Who started it? And we're they, gonna ne- they never them. figured out shit. Never, never did a damn thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I know who started it. So Bartholomew and author Simon Wesley shed other light as well on the emotional and spiritual deprivation. These early nuns suffered. Many were sent by their families to the coven uh, rather than answering a call to serve Jesus. So basically they were. They were sent to the church. They didn't even want to be nuns in the first place. I mean, yeah, that was very typical. That that's been a yeah. ever since the start of the church. Yeah. Like, oh, you're the you're the king's mm. fucking side piece. Well, we can't have that. Send her to the nunnery. Yep. A quote from them being: "Young girls typically were coerced by elders into joining these socially isolated religious orders." Uh, that being unquote. The two men write another quote of. Uh, Practicing rigid discipline in confined all-female living quarters, their plight included forced vows of chastity and poverty. Many endured bland near-starvation diets, repetitious prayer rituals, and lengthy fasting intervals. Punishment for even minor transgression included flogging and incarceration. Now, I would like to take this moment to bring up that I am dyslexic, so reading back over stuff is hard. So sorry that I'm all stuttery. It's okay, bro. <laughs> I fuck up when I read every time. You're all good. That definitely sounded like a nurse or a nun's life. Yeah. Not for real. But yeah, basically, it's just the idea that they were under so much stress and repression because, well, exactly what they said. They were treated like shit. They were expected for the bare minimum. They were basically sold to their well, not even sold. They were coerced from their family to the church. And so they, they didn't even get money for it. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even allowed to have money. Prayer of uh, poverty. Uh, basically, all in all, this is... They just think that these nuns had a shit rap. So the two theories, basically. Mental breakdown. Understandable. Demons. Eh, understandable why you'd think that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or just trying to make have some fun in a terrible situation. <laughs> no, you know, real. really, that's what I'm thinking it was. Like I, I said, I'm thinking it was just a, a, a joke that they all were just like, fuck it. <laughs> I can imagine the same thing going on at the Salem Witch Trials. Like, they just over here, like, fuck oh, it. Oh, dog. No, yes. the, that started off as like, hey, it's a, a quirky little game. And yep. then it, it turned into people getting scared and blaming other people Personally. getting scared or also using using people as a scapegoat to like step out because like or what people don't realize is a lot of times the a lot of the people that got or a lot of the women that got suspected of witch trials they were successful women they were women that were doing stuff they had like alchemy shops or um, they were making po- selling potions of healing and stuff oh yeah mm-hmm. personally i feel completely and totally robbed if they had allowed this to spread further across the nation we could have a standardized group of cat girls and that would be <sighs> i think like, we already have a standard well we do I now because of anime girls. yeah I was like, have you seen the anime community uh, yeah, i was but about to say they literally have a anime, song about these cat girls. Imagine if, like, this was a regular thing in, like, a small town or even, like, 
a regular thing within like a larger area, like a municipality or whatever. Have you been to Japan? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just hear me out. Like this being a long running tradition, the meowing, like it's just a regular thing. And then they're introduced to anime. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm saying the mixture of the two. But no, yeah, I, I think that that's what leads me to believe it was probably just like something they did for like, I don't know, comfort or something like that to each other. As like a little it like probably just an inside joke, like an inside thing, and then that's probably why they stopped the second you know guards were posted up outside the coven. <laughs> yeah, you said comfort, and I'm thinking they're like acting like cats for each other well, to basically be the emotional support animals. Well, no, of but each it's other. like it, it's an but inside it's an inside joke yeah. that comforts them. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. more appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. That's uh, meowing nuns. Definitely weird. Definitely yeah. different. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely something I'd bring to the table. I feel like I fucks with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was. I would. I didn't know what to expect from you. <laughs> Never expect from me. I definitely. Um, you take ex- what you get. <laughs> definitely wasn't expecting meowing nuns. Well, that's all the fucking topics we have today, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how were? How did you enjoy your first uh, guest appearance on Weebs in the Hood, Mister Ray? Guest appearance on my own show? That's crazy. I was about to yeah, say, this is like, like, yeah, yeah, I uh, fucked that up. <laughs> Let me find out. I'm a weeb and I'm in the hood, bro. Your fir- uh, first of all, <laughs> yes. Second of all, beside the point. Okay, your first guest appearance on Nightcrawlers. It was dope. Real good out here, man. Hey. Yeah. So I've... We've been saying Weebs in the Hood so much because he's over from Weebs in the Hood. I fucked it up. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like Everybody knows we're name. night crawlers. All right. Yeah. It would be kind of weird if they didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we ever say our own name when we're all doing this. <laughs> we kind of do sometimes. Yeah, Maybe it's like an intro or an outro thing. Oh, like, or when we're mentioning our email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, over at the den of the weebs, we uh we don't really say weebs in the hood too much. We kind of just say, hey, "What's going on, motherfuckers?" Yeah, got it. Maybe on? you what's should up? say Nightcrawlers more. Maybe you should have a guest from us other than Josh because he doesn't count. I no, mean, for real. Technically, maybe we're, we're, we're cooking some things up in the works. Yeah, we listen. We still gotta set the date to have all of us get together. Facts. There will be a Nightcrawlers and Weebs in the Hood coming out soon. Yes, it'll be a full collab. We were thinking about making it a two-part just because that's a lot of voices. That's a whole lot. That is seven, eight people. Eight people. It would give us an opportunity to... uh, Because of Bryce. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, it would give us an opportunity to kind of bounce off of like do six. both formats. Oh, wait, yeah, we one, will never two, um, three, understand the Josh, amount of you're people. Not, you're counting yourself. We're not twice. good at math. I'm si- yeah. all together. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Tom, Tom and Bryce. Bryce. That's six. seven. That's six. You know what? There's, There's a good of amount here. of people. There's four of yeah, us here. Yeah. You're adding two. No, four yeah. plus two. I okay. okay. Relax. <laughs> Jesus. It's Christ. amazing we passed high school. Hey, look, it's what alcohol and weed would do. Ah. Okay, so any last notes before we sign off, you guys? Uh, I was just saying real quick, if I'd like to, uh, we're thinking about doing two individual things being between like the different formats of each show, but with everyone just do a dual recording session. If anyone has any ideas for this or is interested in that, please shoot us a message on any of our socials or over our email. I would love to hear from you guys. Again, our email is nightcrawlersthirdshift at gmail.com. Weezinthehood at gmail.com. Yeah, you already get a plug at the fucking outro. Don't fucking. 
Yeah, stretch we'll plug it, it again. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray, with your outro. <laughs> we warming up. And that was all for Nightcrawler's podcast. Come again, you fools. <laughs> Make us sound like pretentious cunts. I Later, mean, everybody. honestly, <laughs> he sound like he belong here. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for coming in and listening to another episode of Nightcrawlers. Tune, on, tune in again in two weeks where we will discuss weird foods. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Later, people. Anything you got to say, Josh, before we sign off? I ain't about to leave you hanging, bro. No, I have nothing to say. Bye. Y'all have a wonderful day. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Deuces. Dip, dip, potato chip. Hello, everybody. After the fact, Ed here. Just wanted to remind you, our sponsor for this episode was Dubby Energy. Wonderful company, wonderful product, and it's 10% off at checkout if you use code NIGHTCRAWLERS. Again, this is a no-crash energy drink, so if you use it, it is a great pick-me-up throughout the day and will help you ease out when it wears off rather than just crashing you after the freight train of energy that other energy drinks give you, let alone per serving, it is much cheaper than your store brand energy drinks. If you want to find us elsewhere, then we have multiple social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and we should have Facebook after this. But aside from all of that, you can find Josh in Weaves in the Hood, which is another podcast that he does with some friends of ours who are, they're all great people. If you are interested in Japanese culture or the impact anime has had on our culture, especially within an urban environment, then that is definitely something that you would take interest in. They talk about a lot of different topics and it is always entertaining to hear them go back and forth. Other than all that, it's been wonderful having you guys listen and I hope you have a wonderful day. Goodbye.